Okay, everybody, thanks for uh, listening again to the Line by Line. This is my second one of these I'm doing. Uh, I want to say thanks for the feedback I got on the first one. And also wanted to kind of clear up a couple things. Uh, I guess the big thing is some of the advanced stats I'm using. So uh, thanks to a tweet I got from a friend of the show, friend of Fly Probably, Jim Smith, a.k.a. at Jimothy Swagger 15 <laughs> Nice handle, by the way. Uh, made a comment about how he liked the uh, podcast, uh, even though he wasn't sure of some of the stats. Uh, even if it wasn't a joke or not, I I feel like I should explain some of these uh, stats I'm using because they are pretty basic uh, advanced stats, but they aren't really, they're still not common to everybody, I guess. So I just wanted to run through some of the terms and some of the lingo I throw out there. So if you do keep listening to me, which if you do, thank you, and put up with the early stages of me trying to iron out this whole process, uh, these are the terms that I use, I'm probably going to be using every episode. And also, if I use some terms that you aren't sure of, or if there are other advanced stats you see and you're kind of wondering what the hell that's about, you can just go ahead and ask me and I'll and I'll answer it on here. So I kind of want to open that up as maybe uh, an opening segment I could do whenever I do these line-by-lines is, you know, you hear a certain term. Uh, I'm not going to throw too many at you right now because I just want to get these four or five I have to hopefully uh, paint a better picture for some of you. Uh, so... The main one, or the big advanced stat out there that everybody should kind of know if they want to get a hang of advanced stats is, of course, Corsi, which is pretty much shot attempts. Uh, the origin of Corsi, it doesn't stand for anything. Uh, it's, it's, it's named after Jim Corsi, who used to be a goalie coach for the Buffalo Sabres, who apparently used to be pretty defensive of his goalies, and as a way to show that their goalies were putting in a lot of work on nights where they may have been shelled, he went back and tracked not just shots, he went back and tracked shots on goal, missed shots, and block shots. So, you know, in hockey, everybody, obviously everybody cares about goals, scores. The second biggest stat after goals usually is shots on goal. And then Corsi is just shot attempts. So shots on goal plus missed shots and block shots. Corsi 4% or, um, or uh, shot attempt percentage is... Uh, the best way to measure just pretty much puck possession, I guess, overall. Not quality of chances, not who had more shots from the slot or one-timers or cross-ice passes. Just in general, who put more pucks towards the other team's nets. Uh, so obviously, when you hear that, there are some flaws in terms of what is the importance of the stat because how much does it really mean, which leads us into a couple other stats I wanted to talk about. The first one being... Fenwick, which is just uh, shots on goal and missed shots. So this stat was created by a, a guy named Matt Fenwick, who was a hockey blogger, and I, I think he works. He he's a, was a smart guy. He's probably working for some team now. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. But he made the argument that blocking shots is a skill by the defender, and it's not more on the uh, forward or whoever's shooting the puck because it's not entirely up to them if, you know, they want to put the shot on net, and obviously defenders get in the way, you know, push players to the outside. You know, the defender has some say in whether or not the shot's going to get through, so the real skill is not whether or not you throw the puck towards the net, it's whether or not you're able to get it through to at least the net, and maybe not get it on net, but you you completed a process showing that you, you, you got it past the defense and it came down to the goalie. I find this stat obviously pretty important. I track all the 
I've been going back and tracking all the unblocked shots for each line at five on five. I haven't really. That's part of what I want to do for the next one is I'm going to start going back and tracking uh, every event and who was on the ice for it and then kind of show when each unblocked shot happened. But that's for the next one where I'm going to put... It's going to be more work for more games, I guess. But And also, I want to, I want to clear something up. Whenever I say track, uh, there's a difference between tracking and then, I guess, using information that's available. So when I say track, what I mean is I'm going back and looking at the NHL.com page, reading the play-by-play, going in and putting those notes in uh, to a Google Doc or Word document, and then going back and watching the game and make sure that those actually happen. Tracking, uh, when you talk about tracking in terms of advanced stats, there are people that are out there that actually go through and track things like zone entries and zone exits and, and things that stats that... Uh, advanced stats the advanced stats community find valuable but they aren't tracked anywhere on nhl.com or any other website they actually have to go in and manually track them themselves it's a very that's a more time-consuming process and it's a lot a lot harder work and those people deserve a lot more credit that's not what i'm doing so when i say track i don't want it to be confused with i'm going in and this is the information i found it's more i'm collecting information from NHL.com that not a lot of people would go back and look into and then kind of seeing how that played out on the ice. Uh, so with those three out of the way, Corsi 4%, shot attempt percentage, uh, Fenwick 4%, uh, unblocked shot uh, percentage, and then expected goals 4%, which actually, let me all right, let me explain real quick the, the percentages. So I told you what Corsi... Fenwick and expected goals for are, but the percentages are pretty easy. It's just uh, the number of attempts that your team created divided by the total number of attempts that happened while that player was on the ice. So, so theoretically, let's say for the whole game, Jake Forcheck is on the ice, or pick your fucking flyer. I don't care. Jake Forcheck's on the ice, and while he's on the ice, a total of ten shot attempts happened. And the Flyers had six of those, and their opponent had four. Uh, Jake Voracek's Corsi four percentage would be sixty. Six divided by ten. Yeah. So simple math. I just wanted to clear that up. <laughs> but those are the big three. And then a fourth thing with advanced stats I wanted to talk about tonight because, or this week, because I feel like it's very relevant for the last few games the Flyers have had. And also, I am recording this after the win against the Blackhawks, and kind of the Blackhawks game can be lumped into that. But in the loss to the Oilers, the loss to the Stars, and the win against the Golden Knights, there were a lot of score effects in play. And that is part of the reason why I didn't go back and really rewatch and take a lot of notes on the third period of the Oilers game because not a lot you can learn in a 6-1 to game. Uh, the teams aren't going to be playing the same way in that situation that they came into the game playing. You know, when you're when your team is down by multiple goals and the timer's running out, you're you're probably gonna take more offensive chances. Uh defensemen are gonna activate on the rush more, they're gonna get deeper into the offensive zone. Forwards are gonna leave the zone early, assuming their teammates are gonna be able to just get it and clear it out to them. You're you're gonna push for odd man rushes more. You're gonna you're gonna take a lot more risks defensively. Um, you're going to sacrifice defense to try and generate offense. And it's not a mentality that each team is playing with the whole game. So pretty much score effects cancels out the possession numbers once games get out of control. 
And it's a it's a big I think it's a big misconception with advanced stats that uh Corsi four percentage doesn't factor those things in, but there are other stats like score and venue adjusted Corsi four percentage that kind of remove score effects from the whole advanced stat situation. This is too this is already too much for an introductory thing, but the reason why I thought the way that the Flyers played on Wednesday against the Oilers last week, I thought they played pretty well besides the whole you know sick being down six to one and six to three loss but when the game was close when it was a one goal game and, and they were down by one goal coming into the second period they came out to start the second period and throttled the Oilers they just couldn't solve Miko Koskinen a lot of dumb stuff happening close they just couldn't put a puck in the net and then like I've said a million times they'd make that play to Connor McDavid and McDavid was barely given space it's not a play that the Oilers were you know knocking at the door and they finally get it that was a, the Flyers deserved to have the lead, and they just got unlucky and didn't take it. And then when you look at the advanced stats at the end of the game after that, because the game got out of control, the Flyers poured it on the third period, so it looks like they just did the score effects thing, where they just piled on a bunch of shot attempts in the third period when the game didn't matter. But when the game was actually close, they were killing the Oilers. So that example leads into Dallas's game where it was another game where at the end of the game the Flyers ended up having really good possession numbers but the Dallas game I think is a better example of how score effects made the Flyers uh some of the Flyers advanced stats look better than they actually were because in the third period you could tell the Stars were just letting up and uh they it's a big reason why I picked the Stars to be kind of a dark horse to come out of the West this year because Jim Montgomery came in last year and still this whole defensive system. They hadn't really been showing it early in the season, but they showed it against the Flyers on Saturday in the third period. Corey Perry, I think, scored on the first goal of the period and, like, the first shot that the Stars had in forever. But that gave the Stars a two-goal lead early in the third period, and they need the, they're they looking for wins early in the season. So Jim Montgomery obviously decided to shell up. And all the Stars did was give the puck to the Flyers deep deep on the other end of the ice let them come into the zone, box them out to the perimeter, not give them any second chances, and then move the puck down the ice. So to me, Saturday was more about score effects for the Flyers because they started to rack up the chances because Dallas was giving them that space. And then I think uh, Monday and and tonight against the, the Blackhawks, I think were good examples of pretty much the Flyers had what happened to them against the Oilers, they were able to do against the Golden Knights and Blackhawks. So Flyers came out and had pretty good first periods for, well, not really a great first period tonight. They had a really good first period um, against the Golden Knights, and then the second period that came out, Golden Knights were taking it to them. Brian Elliott makes a ton of saves. Still pretty close game, and then Kevin Hayes scores on a pretty, you know, it's a pretty savable shot for uh, Oscar Dance there. And then the Flyers start to take over. So that wouldn't be score effects. That would have been the Flyers just pulled a hockey on the Golden Knights and let Brian Elliott stand on his head for a little bit. And then they benefited from scoring on one of the few chances they had mustered in that period. Kind of happened with the Blackhawks game tonight where it was a one-goal game. Blackhawks were getting a ton of pressure. It looked like they were about to tie it up. And then Kevin Hayes gets one chance down the ice and he puts it home. Like Kevin Hayes, by the way, is... I. I would really like to see a poll of who thinks he's overrated now. I think uh, Steve and I were talking about it on Flyperbole and saying how, you know, maybe a little too much, but I really didn't care about the overpayment because I, I thought he, we needed a second, Flyers needed a second line center. 
I knew he was pretty good. I didn't think he would be as good as he's looked so far. He He's just a horse out there. But uh, let's talk about... Okay, so let's get in these games. And by the way, this is a... I don't know how smooth this is going to be, but I've got everything laid out now. So I talked about the score effects with the Dallas game. And to, and to add on to that, I wanted to... I listed all the cycling that I saw happen from the Flyers in the third period. Um, Drew Katoria Konechny, 21 seconds. JVR Lawton Pitlick, uh, 34 seconds. Drew Hayes Voracek, 24 seconds. Lindblom Lawton JVR, 45 seconds. Twerinsky Raffle Stewart, uh, 25 seconds. And then last but not least, Drew Katoria Konechny for 53 seconds. Uh... So a lot of zone time, they had the puck in the zone, but if you go back and look, they weren't getting cross-ice passes off, they weren't cutting through the middle, they weren't they weren't doing anything. The, the Stars just kept them to the boards, and a lot of board play, and I just remember specifically one board battle in the third period where uh, two Flyers were pinned against the board, and they zoomed in, and you saw Ben Bishop have time to just look out and span out the entire ice and call out with his stick two or three different assignments for the other forwards there on the other side of the goal line to go and cover. So they systematically Dallas just didn't they didn't give the Flyers much to to work with in the third period. Uh other than that, I wanted to talk a little bit about Matt Niskanen. The Matt Niskanen, uh I just made the point about Kevin Hayes. Matt Niskanen too, he was somebody I was worried about, uh play driving numbers being the big factor in terms of whether or not I was gonna like him. I, I always considered him a pretty solid defensive player but he had a pretty bad play driving year last year in Washington and they seemed really eager to get him out of there for Radko Gudis who you know was a third pair guy for us I I he's exceeded my expectations so far he's done a lot better than I thought he was going to look like and he's uh, been he's played very well in the defensive zone unfortunately I Saturday was his worst game Obviously, I mean, he got he got danced on by Rupe Hintz, uh, and then he also was out of position on the S.L. Lindell goal. But I did want to point out, uh, also, he did have a, a pretty bad uh, pass in the defensive zone uh, to Sanheim, uh, below the goal line there, got blocked and turned over for a, a chance uh, a couple minutes into the second period. But I wanted to point out uh, a couple of good things I noticed from Niskanen in that game. One of the things I liked about Niskanen, I like about Niskanen so far is uh, he's very poised with the puck in the defensive zone. He usually doesn't make a bad outlet pass. And sometimes they get in a little bit of trouble of holding onto the puck for too long. Uh, it happened a couple times tonight against Chicago. But he is very good at also shielding the puck away from players and fending them off. And I thought a pretty good example of that, while he had the puck in the D zone looking to move the puck up ice, was uh, about halfway through the first period, Matthias Janmark was pretty much just hassling Niskanen around the net and he was able to shield the puck from Lindell from behind the net going right to left and carry it out to the blue line safely. Uh, there was also a play where Hart uh, had a misplay with the puck behind the net pretty much gave it to uh, Tyler Sagan in the left corner about halfway through the first again and uh, Niskanen was able to kind of clamp down on Sagan not really give him a chance and then able to effectively move the puck out of the zone. Something else I also noticed Niskanen start to do, and there's another defenseman that I've picked up doing this early in the season, and I'll, I'll talk about him in a second, but Niskanen's done a very good job of, or at least he did in this game, against the Stars of stepping up in the neutral zone and breaking up outlet passes from Dallas defensemen. So the first time I saw it was Ben was trying to receive a pass at the red line. Niskanen anticipated the outlet pass and was able to 
body uh, bend to the ground and break up the, the puck. Uh, the second time happened about halfway through the second period. He stepped up on Sagan in the neutral zone and was able to break up a an outlet pass. And uh, and Neskin, it wasn't only Niskanen I picked up on doing that. I noticed Ghost has done a very good job of that so far earlier in the season. I'm sure it's something all the defensemen try and do, but I feel like Niskanen and Ghost are doing it very well on Saturday. Uh, and on top of that, I also, you know, Ghost, we're still waiting for Ghost to kind of do Ghost-like things early in the season. But I think he had... His best offensive play uh, against the Golden Knights on Monday. It was a, it was a play where it was Ghost at the right point. Hayes was in the middle of the ice in the high slot. Is about five minutes into the second period. Ghost gives the puck to Hayes, then starts moving down low past uh, Marchesso. Hayes looks like he's about to shoot and gives it right back to Ghost in the right uh, right circle. Takes a shot from the right faceoff dot. Leads to a rebound that Hayes almost puts in himself. So it was a nice give and go for with uh, Ghost and Hayes. Ghost was able to get some space in the offensive zone. The give and go uh, like that I've seen utilized a lot by the Flyers so far on uh, zone entries. And it's worked a lot, actually. That. And I, I think I talked about it last week with Tag and somebody else. But uh, the defenseman enters the zone. There's a forward waiting at the right or the left point. They toss it over to him. They cut towards the slot to work around that defender, kind of make him stand still to guard the forward, and then you have a streaking defenseman hopefully moving towards the net for a pretty good chance. Uh, besides that one play for uh, Ghost, some of the n- negatives I saw over those last two games where he had some pretty shitty passes on the power play to wide-open guys. Uh, the first power play of the game against the Stars while uh, Radulov sat, he tried to do a slap shot uh, he tried to complete a slap pass to Hayes along the left wall about two minutes into the game. Wide open, wasn't pressured by anybody, just slapped it past Hayes, wrapped around, uh, and the Stars were able to clear. Uh, the second one happened a little bit later in the period. Uh, again, it was a zone entry. The ghost was carrying it in. Limblom was wide open. Tried to hit Limblom, sent it too far. Stars got the puck. So not those things weren't too great from Ghost, but... Uh, you know, I still want to see... We haven't really seen him make any dynamic plays yet. I think that chance against the Golden Knights is probably his most noteworthy one. And I remember last week I talked about a few plays he had against the Canucks, but that was with me going back and looking for those plays, and we know that's not that's not what Ghost... Ghost can make highlight reel plays in an instant if he wants to, and and uh, I don't know. Ghost's lack of production really isn't concerning me yet. I mean, the team's flying. They're getting scoring from a lot of different... Areas, if Ghost is able to just, I guess, play well defensively and then chip in when he needs to, I'm not, I I don't know, I'm not worried about Ghost yet. I'm not really worried about anybody on the team yet. Uh, Everybody's kind of playing to their expectations. And that includes a guy who now finally got his first goal of the season, but had been knocking on the door nonstop for the last couple of games, and that would have been uh, JVR. And if you have been watching the last couple of broadcasts, uh, you saw they kept talking about how he had the most amount of shots on goal across the league for a player who had not yet scored. And it wasn't just a volume game with JVR leading into it. He had a, a lot of really good chances that either hit the post or guys like Jacob Markstrom or Miko Koskinen were keeping out of the net. So he was kind of, to be honest, just unlucky. But I, I think some of these examples here will kind of highlight that fact. Uh, his, his first chance of the game against the Stars, came with his classic uh, between-the-legs move on the power play. Uh, Ghost set him up. He 
JBR moved out to the left, got the puck, put the puck between his legs, took a shot on net. Not the best chance, but still pretty close in the crease. Another really good chance he had was a couple minutes after that, he was carrying the puck through the neutral zone and was getting harassed by Cogliano the whole way into the offensive zone, was shielding Cogliano off the puck, which is carrying the, the puck with one hand through the neutral zone and through the right dot. And then when he got close enough to the net, he put it on his forehand, almost flipped it over Bishop's shoulder, hit Bishop right in the shoulder, uh, and went over the net. Uh, another example came a couple minutes after that. It, JVR was using his body to shield the puck from Radulov in the right circle before he cut into the slot and put a shot on net. Uh, another chance came with about five minutes left in the second period. Uh, JVR got the puck down low from Sanheim, was at the the left post, his first dunk attempt hit the side of the net, got his own rebound, and was shoving the puck into Bishop's left leg pad and just couldn't get home. And then I thought it might have been JVR's smartest play of the game, and I didn't get a lot of recognition because, I mean, time and place and score and everything. But with about six minutes left in the game, Hag got into a board battle with Lindell uh, on the left uh, left half wall. Uh, they were on the upper half of the left face-off circle, I guess, and uh, JVR and Andre Sekiro were along the boards in support. The puck comes to JVR at the board battle, and he quickly just throws a puck towards the net. Almost catches Ben Bishop off guard. He's able to drop down and block it with his right leg pad. But I thought, considering the fact that the Flyers weren't getting any chances at all, maybe the best chance would be a just a surprise shot. A random shot from the boards that you would not usually shoot the puck. Which also, going back early in the episode, that's an example of score effects because that's a shot JVR is not going to take unless his team is probably down 4-1 to one late in the third period and you just got to hope and pray that something is going to go in. So I'm glad that you know we got that <laughs> to come back and circle around to. When it comes to the Vegas game, obviously in addition to the big win that we saw, I think the two two things fans were most excited about were Joel Farabee. Joel Farabee in the NHL. And for me, honestly, and I'm sure some other people, uh, Verobia being recalled, just because I, I think he his game is suited for the NHL, and I think he can be play a, an important role in the NHL, and I want to see him actually go out there and do it. And I think there are some examples uh, from Monday's win that illustrate how he can help the Flyers, you know, going forward. But for Farabee, I just wanted to point out some of the some of the scoring chances he had, because uh, and if you've watched the game tonight, you saw. The poor guy. He might. He he's gonna do the JVR routine here, where he's gonna get all the chances in the world, and nothing's gonna happen. And I feel like each time he's denied a goal, there's gonna be a greater comedic effect. Like he just kept hitting the post of preseason. This one, it looks like he had a pretty nice goal, and then Kevin Hayes was off sides. I think the next one is gonna be like an optical illusion where it looks like the puck goes in, and then there's all these different. It's gonna be something crazy to just keep him from getting his first goal. But anyways, best chance in the game. Uh, against the Knights, I thought came about halfway through the first period. He was carrying the puck through the neutral zone, was going up against McNabb uh, above the right circle in the offensive zone, cut in real quick to kind of make McNabb lose his balance and kind of separate and distance from him, and then he cut in and took a shot on net at Dansk and uh, and missed the net. But then also there was a, a play I recognized uh a power play in the first period as well where Drew was carrying it through the neutral zone and instead of doing the slingshot play Drew 
from the right side of the ice, flung it into the left corner. Faraby won the race down there uh, and then took a shot on that and grabbed his own rebound before he passed it around to Drew in the opposite corner to start the umbrella and start the offensive structure of a power play or to get in formation for the power play, I guess. Another play where Faraby made uh, showed a lot of hustle on a, a dump in, I guess, was he was carrying the puck to the neutral zone dumped it in behind a, a pair of Golden Knights and then actually was able to race into the zone and chase down his own dump-in. So he completed the whole process of a dump-and-chase. And then also a play with about 10 minutes left in the third period. Flyers are getting in, hemmed into the zone a little bit. He gets the puck on the right, in the right uh, left corner. Plenty of space in front of him. Uh, instead of looking for a pass out of it, he decides to just use his speed to move up the wall and then gently throw the puck in the space so that the line is able to change and it alleviates a little bit of uh, defensive zone pressure. Pretty smart play from him. Uh, some of the away-from-the-puck stuff, I didn't really try to hone in on too much because it's it's his first game. Uh, and, I, I mean, I, I just wanted to see more of his scoring chance. We saw his scoring upside in that game, and we saw his scoring upside in in this game. So, uh, I mean, we'll I'll, I'll look at Farabee's game a little bit more away from the puck uh, as we go further into the season. Uh, a couple of negative plays I saw from Farabee. Uh, one of them was he was just denied his own entry, and he lost the puck uh, against McNabb to start a Vegas rush the other way. Early in the second period, couldn't quite catch a cross-ice pass from Couturier that he should have had, and Eakin was able to take it away from him. Uh, in the third period, before he made that nice play to alleviate uh, D-zone pressure, uh, while the Flyers are trying to move the puck out of the zone, Faraby gets it on the right wall, and Marchessault strips him pretty easily, and then the Golden Knights start a cycle that lasts 35 seconds. Besides those things, there weren't... I didn't really... I thought he played a pretty good game. And I thought he played really well tonight against Chicago, and if he... I'm hoping he does, he's not going anywhere. He should be up here to stay now, which will allow the Flyers to roll three lines, which just makes this team a little scarier. I mean, it's been it's, it's been rare since we've had three actually offensively potent lines. Uh, if whenever Patrick comes back, and again, I'm not sure of the timeline. I know they keep throwing out week by week and. We keep getting updates, but I really think that a migraine disorder disorder sounds like something that you can't, I, I don't know. I, it sounds like something you can't really have a time frame for because there's not really some anything he can control over working his way back. But anyway, if Patrick comes back, the third line could be Patrick Farabee and whoever else you want to put there, uh, JVR, Voracek, Drew, whoever wants to be on that line. I mean, that alone is going to be a good line, and then you pair that with Lindblom, Katoria, Konechny, and then whoever Hayes is working with, it's it's going to be a top nine that should be able to control play and just kind of execute what this team has looked like so far under AV, which is come out strong in periods where you need to come out strong and don't let off the gas. Keep pushing teams away in some of these games. And we saw it tonight. They, they closed out against Chicago. They didn't let Chicago come back at all. Chicago did have that push in the second period, but it was, it was brief, and then the Flyers took over. Uh, and it was the same against the Golden Knights. They really didn't let up against the Golden Knights either. So it's the closing out games is, is huge, and when you have a top nine that uh, a coach can feel comfortable throwing out any line out there, it, you're, you're going to win a lot more games than 
uh, we've seen recently with Flyers teams. So hopefully uh, Farabee's addition helps offensively with that. And then also I think the fourth line gets a big boost and the the issue of the t- uh, bottom six from last week is addressed with Mikhail Vorobiev's addition. And Vorobiev came up last year. To me, he had two very poor stretches with the team, I guess. Two bad stints. Not really bad, he just... I mean, we. I guess we would have never really seen what Vorobiev was under Hackstall. He just... I mean, we're only eight games into the season, and... You can already see a bunch of stuff that AV is doing that isn't outlandish and just seems like a routine hockey thing a hockey coach should do, and we're we're blown away by it because we had to watch Hackstall for a while. But anyway, Vorobia being up, I think he is he's the ideal player you want on the fourth line, especially right now. He's not a guy that you're not limiting his offensive potential. Like if you put Frost or Faraby or maybe even Rupes off on the fourth line, Vorobia is a very two way two-way forward who focuses on the little things, which I know I've talked about a lot, but he he's a great two-way player, and he had a lot of examples of this in the game here. I think he showed plenty of examples of a player that helps support his teams defensively in board battles and is able to help get the puck out of the zone and also completes a lot of stick plays to get the puck back uh, in his team's favor. You know, And here, that'll be the fire. So I think the first example... Of this was about halfway through the first period. 9.40 in. Uh, Vorobiev and Reeves are supporting a puck battle. Reeves gets the puck. He tries to quickly fling a puck at the net. Uh, never gets to Elliot because Vorobiev is right there and blocks a shot. And then quickly moves it out of the zone. I saw two times in the game where Vorobiev was able to grab a rebound and clear it out of danger. Uh, the first one came when Hag Niskanen were kind of uh, fucking around in the defensive zone. Couldn't get the puck out. Five minutes into the game, Carey, uh, William Carrier is able to steal the puck from Hag, tries to make a move around Hag, loses the puck in the defensive slot. Vorobiev is able to race down and backhand the puck out of danger. And then also, a couple minutes into the second period, uh, Riley Smith completed a redirection play with William Carlson that creates a scoring chance and a rebound in front. And again, Vorobiev is able to fly in and clear that rebound away. A couple other good plays he had were he... Jumped in a passing lane while Vegas was trying to move the puck up ice. Took away a passing lane during his own exit. Uh, forced a bad pass by Vegas down the ice for an icing. And then another play was Jonathan Marchessault was carrying the puck through the neutral zone. Vorobia was uh, the last flyer coming out of the offensive zone because he was in deep. Was able to work his way up and quickly steal the puck from Marchessault. And Marchessault had no idea that. Vorobiev was there. So that those types of plays are the plays I'm looking for for Vorobia from uh, from now on. And a line of him, Raffle, and honestly, maybe not, not Chris Stewart, but a guy like NAK or Rupsoff, another speedy forward who is able to complete plays like this and kind of is a good way player and will drive play. If that was the fourth line, I... I really wouldn't have any problem with the Flyers' 12 forwards. They're four lines at all. And I really don't have a problem with Chris Stewart. I know, and I, I've talked about that on Fly Probably and everything. But I'm speaking stylistically, I think I would rather have a guy like NAK in there because then you could throw out Ralph Olverobiev NAK for eight minutes a night, and they can just hem the other line in the zone for a little bit or be a nuisance and use their speed and their burst energy to draw penalties or create scoring chances. But 
Uh, another thing with Vorobiev, real quick, he he also showed his intelligence or hockey IQ on a play. Uh, it was about three and a half minutes into the second period. He had gained control of the puck uh, following a board battle in the corner to Elliott's left. He then tried to carry the puck left to right behind the net so he could wrap it around the boards along the right the right sidewall. Riley Smith cut him off on the right post. He had cut him off from going that way. And you could tell by the angle Smith was going that Verobia was not going to be able to squeeze through and get the puck ultimately out through the right side. But it felt like a play that a rookie or a younger player or maybe a defenseman that doesn't have, or or forward, that doesn't have quite uh, as high a hockey IQ would just try and muscle his way through there and ultimately turn it over or just cause a, a a sloppy or unsuccessful zone exit. But what uh, Vorobiev did was he quickly cut the other way and started exiting out the, the left side of the ice. So it's just little things like that that, that make me think the, the coaching staff is a fan of Vorobiev. And honestly, I don't see a reason why he can't be the fourth-line center for the rest of the season. I mean, it's there. The avenue for him to be the four seed is there. You move Lawton onto the wing where... I think he is probably better as a forward than center. Uh, and then you just roll with Couturier, uh, Hayes, Patrick, and Vorobiev down the middle. It's not too much to complain about, especially if those top three lines can keep sustaining pressure and rolling through other teams, and the fourth line can come out and kind of do what they've been doing all year long. Uh, it's it's weird. you know. It's weird to talk about the Flyers now because I've been – Talking, I'm pretty much done the podcast by the way now, but covering the Flyers for years. Not covering, but writing about, blogging about, whatever. Uh, and this is the first time in a while where they're actually, it looks like, and I, I in no way want to get ahead of here, but looks like they could be good. Look, they're looking pretty good. I really don't have that much to complain about right now, which is weird because I'm, I'm always complaining and I'm always dunking on this team looking at advanced stats and how poorly they're doing, but they, they've they been driving play. Again, eight games is a short sample size. Driving play, uh, and they look good doing it, and uh, a lot of players that most fans have had issues with over the past, they, I, I don't know, they've looked okay this year. I mean, not, that doesn't include, I, I saw some things with Hag and Pitlick that I didn't really want to go into right here, because I'm trying to, shorten these things up, and also I'll have plenty of time to talk about the errors of those two players down the road. But, in general, it feels like they're playing pretty well. Uh, and they're they're coming out of periods and starting games ways that we haven't seen in a while. They're closing games like we haven't seen in a while. And just the off, the, the creation in the offensive zone with some of the, the, the passing plays and just the way they go about going to the net is a lot different than what we've seen over the last couple of years. So overall, I'm just excited to watch this team because I think they can genuinely be good, genuinely be good. So hopefully going forward, I'm just re-watching more wins and I can start building off of uh, positive things they're doing out there on the ice and kind of nitpick about goals against their defensive plays that were, were eyesores. So uh, this, this will wrap up the second podcast i'm doing for the line by line again hopefully everybody liked it uh please give me any feedback you have uh look for flyers forecast on actually look for flyers forecast on tuesday this week i got a lot going on on sunday steve and i are going to record on monday works out better anyway because they play on sunday and uh, i think the next one i'm going to do of these is after 
I'm gonna do I'm gonna lump in the the Hawks game that just happened, the Blue Jackets game on Saturday, the Islanders game on Sunday, and the Penguins game on Tuesday, and I wanna get it out by Friday. So it'll be the most games I've condensed in the shortest amount of time, but now that I'm kind of getting an idea what I wanna look for, what I wanna talk about and figuring out the structure of the articles and everything, I should hopefully be able to start turning this out a little bit quicker and maybe put a little more depth into the article part. I will say for me, I think it's a big thing right now that I, I'm doing this after the Chicago game, but I've already rewatched and figured out all the stats, and now I'm going to put out the article for all the games up until the Chicago one, so when I start working tomorrow, I'm up to date. And I think that will go a long way in terms of how efficient and how quickly these things get out. But as always... Uh, I I know I talked to a fly purpley fans uh, this week, but I I do love our listeners, and and without you guys there'd be no fly purpley or line by line or BSH radio and yeah, you know the fucking deal. But anyway, sports are bad at sports underscore r underscore bad. Um, thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.